What's going on, everybody? I am J.M. Banks, and you are tuned into Urban Alchemy Podcast, brought to you by the Pitch Podcast Network. I hope everybody's doing great out there today. Welcome to our Monday Media Reviews. First of all, shout out to all of our listeners out there who make this show possible. Thank you all so much for tuning in each and every week. And shout out to all the dope creators out here in the Kansas City Urban Core, doing something with your gifts and creating something for the community. So let's get into it. Music for this episode is going to be brought to us by a friend of the show, Trez Jones, and his track, Kush and Crown. Shout out to my guy, Montrez. He's out here doing big things. Just saw a Facebook post he made about him recently walking away from the whole corporate grind and betting on himself. So big shout out to that dude and big shout out to everybody out there who is betting on themselves and not feeling bound to the whole nine to five struggle. Go out there, do your own thing, and good things will happen. So let's get into it today, folks. Today's media review is just going to be myself, and I've been when I have a moment going back and looking at some of the movies I really enjoyed as a kid, and one movie that always just mesmerized me was the 1997 supernatural thriller Eve's Bayou. Now this film had so many good actors in it, and just looking back at it, and seeing how many of them just continue to be in iconic roles. Of course, Samuel L. Jackson, he's a, he's a legend and icon. But then you got like the younger generation from this movie, like Journey Smollett, who ended up growing into an incredible actress, as well as Megan Good. Uh, both of them, for any young black kid who was raised in the 1990s, those was like one, one of two of your crushes, probably. Like, it's so crazy that both of them was in this movie and they've both been able to have this amazing career. And then you have the other just OGs in this movie, like uh, Lisa Nicole Carson, Lynn Whitfield. It, it's just so many, so many good people, so many good actors in this movie. And the story is just so crazy. And looking back at it now as an adult, I see just how crazy it is. Like, I really haven't gone back and revisited this movie very very often i think maybe because it was just the the off-putting subject matter going back and looking at it i do see what uh why it did have such a influential effect on my view of movies like this movie really was diving into some very deep subject matter that i think is just now starting to be covered in the last few you know uh, last decade or so in media so just looking back at this and this being 1997 and they were tackling all these different issues is just crazy to hear and even more so looking back at it i appreciate like the we really didn't have that many black supernatural movies so for this to have been made back then and then you know it, it wasn't even looked at as the type of movie that dealt with magic because it was so dialed back and grounded in reality like it it was a straight up witch movie like now that i look at it as an adult like this was a straight up witch movie like they had i'll get into it later with, with my analysis as i'm viewing it through my adult eyes but it's crazy looking back at it like i really didn't view this as like a, a magical type movie like i kind of even thought like the magic part was bullshit like they were just all imagining it because Eve was a kid and we were seeing the majority of the narrative through her eyes so I thought it was just a bunch of, of BS but it, it's crazy how much those kids held down this movie Journey Smollett and uh, Making Good just two incredible actors like Journey Smollett did a really great job at capturing that just childlike wonder 
that Eve needed to have to carry this movie all the way through. And then uh, Megan Good's character of Sissy. Now that looking back at that role as an adult, I'm even more blown away at her skills because she was playing like a, tr a really troubled kid going through some really complex developmental emotional issues just to be able to pull that off at such a young age as an actress is just like baffling to me because i'm sure a lot of adults actresses couldn't couldn't do that now so big shout out to them and samuel l jackson looking back at this man like the the way he was able to pull like the he made you feel like he was just this grimy ass dude like just slick and slimy and for the longest time that's how i saw samuel l jackson because i really didn't understand like this dude wasn't a, a grease ball but for real like that just shows uh, that's a living testament to how good of an actor he is but for real watching this movie it did have a, a big impact on me because it really made me fall in love with that over romanticized creole class we saw in the, like movies of the past it, it just made me look at louisiana like this magical place but knowing more about the historical context of everything that went down uh, in that area really does shed a lot of light on why things were the way they were especially in this specific area because i always found it was odd that this movie was shot in like the 1960s uh, or excuse me the story takes place in the 1960s but you never really hear about any kind of racism or any kind of issues with with that type of things that were going on and, and prevalent in the 1960s america for black people but this was a story that takes place above those sort of things and especially i might do an episode in the future just going over the historical context of why everything is like it is and the whole creole class uh people down there from the Jean du color liberal which is the free people of color who were individuals and at the beginning of the movie they kind of touch on this like eve is named after her ancestor who saved the life of a french general or a french soldier and then he ended up giving her her freedom and also like knocking her up with hella kids and eve is the descendant of of that woman and he gave her land that they still live on and set them up to pretty much be like one of these well-to-do black families like you saw in louisiana and a lot of these individuals you know they they didn't view themselves as black traditionally like they those were the type of people who were quote-unquote kept women like they had a whole type of uh, arrangement called plissage where uh these white men would pretty much have these mixed mistresses and they would give them these even more mixed kids and a lot of these kids were like you, you had terms pop up like quadroon and octagroon pretty much meaning one-fourth black or one-eighth black and some of them were able to pass and the lighter the skin the more uh, appealing you were so a lot of these black families came from money because you had these rich white men who were keeping these whole whole ass separate families in the in just the keeping them in the black part of town and in the black part of town they created these communities that were set 
aside from re the regular downtrodden black laborers a lot you know some of them own slaves and it's crazy to to look back and think about that but yeah it, it, they a lot of them considered themselves closer to white than black so they didn't really see themselves as black people now if they tried to marry somebody who was white or go into an establishment meant for white people they would be quickly uh reminded that they are indeed black I mean, they had the one drop rule but getting back to the story that's pretty much the whole class this family is built off of and on the surface they give you the facade of the perfect family like you have the father uh, samuel l jackson's character uh, who is louis uh, batiste dr louis batiste and he's the town doctor the, the only black doctor in this small black community you have his wife who is like the most beautiful black woman in town the kids who are just these adorable kids and then you at, at the end of the movie you see like that is all just it don't matter because they're all have these except for the little boy poe except for jake smollett he, he really doesn't have too much of a character he's the, he plays the youngest child poe you see how this family is going through all this all this craziness and the, the movie opens with eve telling us like it, i was 10 years old in 1962 that was the summer that i, I killed my father so it, the movie sets it up from the beginning like she's going to have some sort of part to play in his demise is she going to turn to the dark side like anakin or is he going to do something to provoke this so it set the movie sets itself up to let you know like this is not going to be like a happy story like sam jack is not walking out this story a living man but looking back at the actual story i i really do lay it's a tragic tale because uh, like they tell you samuel L. jackson's character dies by the end of the movie and looking back at this it's like looking at his character and looking at his his the in the movie his sister moselle batiste her character like these two individuals are the two most two dysfunctional siblings that it's every everything that happens in this movie are both of their faults exclusively like looking back at this as an adult it's like yo you two are the sole causes of everything that's wrong in this movie uh, the father, who is like this, the town doctor, as I said before, his sister is like the town witch doctor. Like she does fortunes and she can, she's like a seer. She can see the past and the future. And it's crazy because like the, the Samuel L. Jackson character does not believe in any of it, but it runs in the family. Like this is supposed to be the woman they're all descended from, the original Eve that saved this French soldier who gave them the land she was you know supposed to be able you know brought him back with like herbs so essentially she was a witch and this stuff is passed through the bloodline and then we see our our current day eve journey smallette's eve she has the sight also she's gifted so you see this this kind of bonding between eve and her aunt because they both have these gifts uh, this magic in them and then you also see this sort of bonding between Samuel L. Jackson and, and his daughter Sissy and it's just crazy to look at both of those characters how like Samuel L. Jackson is a legitimate doctor who is like a gifted he's a gifted uh person in, in in the community with medicine and he's supposed to be out there saving lives with his medical gifts but instead he's just using 
that as an opportunity to bag as many chicks as he can in the in the community because this guy is looked upon as like a god in the community like this dude can do no wrong however he's that's literally the hippocratic oath of a doctor is to do no harm but he does whatever he wants without any kind of remorse or, or forethought towards anything like his family his his wife he just flaunts everything he does out in the open and kind of ask somebody to do something about it so and then you have his sister moselle who is the the psychic and can see and she helps people even though she's cursed herself she's called a black widow any man she ends up with or any man she loves is going to end up dead and it's just crazy to look at that and how they juxtapose these two individuals with these two gifts that are supposed to be used to help people and heal people and how one can't use that gift to you know give her what she wants the most a love life and the other one is using the gift to have a love life and it's just like it's too slimy he's, he's a grease ball yeah just re-watching this movie like samuel l jackson's character of, of dr lewis batiste the man was like the gaslight king like he was gaslighting left and right and you know looking back it's like i can't even tell what might be true or what not might be true because this motherfucker was lying the entire movie about most things like looking back at it, it was just like you see the other side of the lie so you know the truth about certain things so you know just how much he is lying and that's the thing about liars is, you know, once they supposedly come clean and tell you everything in the back of your mind, you're still like, are they really still telling me everything? Like, are they just lying again? So you see how much Lewis is lying throughout the movie, like how much how much shit he gets into and how much dirty trifling stuff he does to his family. And, you know, when it does come time for you to want to believe him now as an adult, I'm like do I actually believe the shit he was saying or was it just, you know, it, I'll get to the letter in a, in a little bit, but it, it really sets up how they built this character as this beloved icon of the community and this beloved father and loving family, man. And as the movie progressed, you see like, it's all act. like he's actually just impersonating this great guy so he can use his position of power and authority to just live the crazy life he, he he wants to live. He thinks he's entitled to by his position. Like he comes from this rich family and he's a doctor in a black community in the 1960s. Like he was like the top of the food chain. So he pretty much felt like he was entitled to whatever he wanted. And that's another interesting thing I like looked at it and saw like. The, the motivating factor for a lot of this movie was reliant on the, them just wanting his love, like the father's love, Samuel L. Jackson's love. His wife needed his love at home as a partner. His daughter wanted his love, uh, I don't even know, like as, a, as, a, as somebody who was like a lover and a confidant. And then Eve wanted her father's love because she felt like she didn't get any of that as a kid like her sister got so it's just crazy to see how much of, of this movie was driven off of lewis's love like even his downfall was an effect of 
him passing out his love and how he distributed his love to individuals and people in his life. So that's crazy to look back at, too. Like You're going to end up being responsible for your actions one way or another. But, yeah, it's really wild to look at the inappropriate relationships that not only Samuel L. Jackson's character of Lewis had, with his daughter but also the aunt moselle the relationship she had with eve like it's crazy to think like number one of course we know like lewis on the surface it looks like he's a he's a he's a rapist and then by the end of the movie it kind of turns that on his head and introduces the idea of was he in fact guilty of this and they still never give you a complete definite answer but looking back on it it's like does it even matter like you were having mad inappropriate situations with your daughter like you had this girl waiting up for you at night fixing you a drink you know dancing in the rain like this is not normal stuff like mind you i will say full disclosure did not grow up with a sister nor did i grow up with a father so i don't even know the dynamics that take place in that but I'm pretty sure any any normal person would tell you, like, I don't want my daughter staying up till the wee nights of the hours after I'm coming home drunk from a booty call with somebody who's not her, not her mama and having her pretty much listening to my woes and troubles as a man. That's not the way the thing goes down. And then you got Moselle's irresponsible ass. And the, like, what the hell are you doing? Like, I understand, like, she's a, a woman who's been through a lot. But you don't unload your personal woes on a 10-year-old. Like, to sit through and go through your whole list of lovers that you've lost and vivid detail about how, you know, the sex made you feel. And, you know, it's just like, I get you got to get that shit off, but not to a 10-year-old. Like, she, the 10-year-old is just trying to run around and be happy. Let the little girl be happy. She don't need to learn voodoo from her crazy aunt, like that's not your place and in effect she helped she be, like it was like a catalyst like she began teaching her about this like mystic art bullshit so she began to look more into it and then she's introduced to the character of uh she begins to seek out another practitioner of witchcraft pretty much her name was uh El- elzora i believe uh, madame elzora and at, in this lady's like full-blown dark art shit like she's doing straight up uh i'm gonna kill a nigga for 50 dollars type stuff so eve goes to her and she's like i need to learn some stuff but she wouldn't have got to that point without moselle's ass letting her know like it's out there it's possible like we we got this gift we can do it you got it too congratulations and of course, if you tell a kid that they're not going to know, like the, the the responsibility, like Peter Parker shit, with great power comes great responsibility. But you don't. She wasn't even thinking about that with this kid. She wasn't telling her like there's there's rules to using this. Nah, she was just like, I had people I loved and I lost them, and now I'm just telling people what they want to hear. But she never broke it down, like, what this means for a 10-year-old to have some sort of second sight. But she was just super irresponsible, super... Both of them, both of them were just horrible, terrible uh, custodians of these these young people. 
But I will say, with uh, Moselle's character, one of my favorite mo scenes in this film is when she's telling the story to Eve. This very inappropriate story that you should never tell to one of your nieces that's 10 about how her uh, husband, she had been cheating on her husband with another man. And this other man just made her feel so alive and incredible, just amazing. And then the man came to whisper off her feet. And her husband, who she just thought of as this beta male cuck, stood up to the man and was just like you're not taking my wife nowhere like you you can you can I, you can leave but she ain't going nowhere with you and then she's like oh i saw him stand up to him and i just uh, i was i was just like are you serious right now like you were just cheating on this dude about to run off with him but now that he's sitting here with uh telling you like nah this is my wife now it's cool now you want to tell the dude leave my home i'm staying with my husband when five minutes ago you was about to run away like the dude pulls out a gun and shoots her husband and then kills himself and it's like this was all this was not magic at all like this was just your fault like you did all this like your actions caused this this was no mystical bullshit and then the other death was at the beginning of the movie with her husband who was drunk driving and he crashes his car, so maybe not let him drive home drunk. Uh, but yeah, it, it's just... Yeah, Lewis is a terrible father. Moselle's a terrible aunt. These kids had no chance in hell when you really look at this movie. Like, for real, the mom was trying the best she could to keep the house in line. And she was slowly being driven, and, driven crazy because she has this guy who's cheating on her each and every day and everybody just pretty much supports it and they're just like yeah he's a great guy he gets to cheat a little but everybody knows he's cheating and she's going slowly insane like that's 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 one thing that uh that lynn whitfield does really well with her characters is she has a way of you know she's an incredibly beautiful woman but she had her like her eyes are super scary sometimes so she has a, a way of just smiling, but but you looking at the eyes and it looks kind of scary. She, you can tell like she's a great actress because she just makes you feel like she is slowly going unhinged in this movie. And that's what happens when you got a motherfucker who's gaslighting you every hour of every day because he's out doing bullshit. And it's crazy because I know people like that. Like, I know people like that who's just like will make you feel like you are out outside of your mind for calling them on the shit they do but it it, it it happens but in that situation in the 1960s i'm sure she's thinking like what am i gonna do divorce him i'm a housewife what you know where, where am i gonna live like this is his family's home like what, what what how do you get better than a doctor in the 1960s but yeah lewis is is a piece of shit like he needs to be the center of everything like he needs to be the center of attention for everybody you really get the sense like the like everybody's lives revolve around the father and it's weird and then you see like just how much he actually does play into the necessity for him through everybody like he kind of i feel like the character kind of liked it like everybody wanting a piece of him and him not giving it to anybody like just being exclusive with his love to his loved ones while giving it out to everyone 
daddy he's he's banging in the shadows but yeah and you really really get you really see because the mother is constantly just coming up against this he she starts to have these instances where she takes it out on the daughter and it's crazy because i really never really paid attention to the mother-daughter dynamics of jealousy in this movie until i just recently rewatched it. it was just like they were competing for the same man almost like it was awkward to watch because it's like you got a mom and daughter both wanting the same thing eventually it's creepy but yeah moselle ends up having a vision of a kid falling by train tracks and the mother uses this as an opportunity to keep the kids in the house and i i kind of now see this as her trying to bring her family together like all y'all gonna be here with me like if i gotta be alone and miserable in this house y'all gonna be here with me like maybe this will bring the father back maybe this will make him spend more time at home when in actuality it makes him do the opposite he's out even more to the to the point where the kids are even like where the, where the hell is daddy at after that happens that's why sissy ends up leaving the house and getting the shit smacked out of her for being disobedient but it's crazy like i said uh, and to watch samuel L. jackson's character lewis uh kind of exploit that and encourage it in a sense because like i said he had her waiting up he had her fixing drinks and even to the point where like the mom you know she shows up after uh some stuff happens she shows up at the house with like a haircut to look just like the mom after the mom has forbidden them to go out but she comes back she lets the mama know like i went to go see daddy i got my hair done and the mom slaps the shit out of her so everything in my household everything looks like it went according to schedule does all that and then tells her like you're not going to be waiting up for daddy anymore you're not going to be fixing him any drinks like i got that like that's my job and you know you see how hurt the daughter is yeah the dad definitely encouraged it it was weird to watch because like on one hand it's like he's a loving father but on another hand it's like how far do you let that loving father shit slide before you're like it's getting weird it's getting really weird but same thing with moselle i don't want my siblings teaching my kids defense against the goddamn dark arts it's crazy and she's just rambling i don't want you telling stories about your dead lovers either like in moselle like you get the sense she's not all there like i feel like she was already like the way the mom is getting driven crazy slowly moselle's already gone with all the loss she's experienced like she straight up like is just rambling and then it's like oh eve i forgot you were there and Eve's over here asking her, like, can you kill somebody with voodoo? Instead of being a proper custodian, like, you introduced her to this spiritual stuff. So you should be the one who's shepherding her through all of this. But instead, you're rambling about your dead lovers when you should be listening to your niece because she's plotting on killing your brother. But you missed that little tidbit because you were so self-absorbed in your own bullshit. Straight up tells eve like she eve says some slick shit to insinuate that the father's cheating on the mom moselle tells her straight up like if you ever say anything about my brother like that i'll kill you and it's just like well damn like you know your brother is a piece of shit who's cheating on his wife you're gonna kill the daughter really after you already killed all your husbands straight up moselle is that how we getting down and yeah just re-watching this movie it's just like lewis ain't shit moselle ain't shit it, it, it's, it's just crazy how how i, I really I, I i remember not liking the mom in this movie like she was the the villain of this movie kind of sort of because 
Lynn Whitfield also, you know, scared me from previous roles. And I also thought she was crazy. I just felt like she was the she was the problem. And now looking back at it, it's like, nah, it was Lewis and Moselle. Like they were just two self-absorbed people who were just so wrapped up in themselves and their gifts in their love lives that they were not paying attention to the harm it was doing these kids around them. Megan Good does an incredible job in this movie as an actress at such a young age. You know, as a 14 year old, just pulling this off is so crazy to me. Uh, but yeah, it's just one of those performances where you, she's conveying so much pain and hurt without saying very much. Like the whole second half of the movie, she really doesn't say very much. Like she de delivers maybe one or two small monologues, but besides that, all of her acting is purely physical. It's purely in the eyes or in the in the facial expressions or how she turns away from somebody, and it's just completely dope to look at with adult eyes and just pick up on those little little cues and hints in those interactions. Like when her father comes in and tries to you know examine her, and she's just giving him like the I don't want to see you. And it was, it, it was very, like a lot of the lines she delivers as a 14 year old were reminiscent of lines like a woman would deliver to a lover. And it's even more uncomfortable looking back at it as an adult. But it's, it's, it's so crazy just looking back how much, you know, nuance went into that performance. And for a 14 year old to be able to pull off somebody who's, you know, clearly been, uh, I don't want to say led on by her father, but is is seeking that affection and she's willing to kind of assume the role of the mother or kind of sexualize herself because she knows that's what her father's addiction is along with a drink and that's the way she's going to get close to him and you know she's doing that because she needs that attention and guidance that she's not getting but you also see that lewis's character is like this arrogant narcissist like he is the ultimate, like pretty much you, you can't blame. And that's another sad thing is like you, the story is narrated through Eve's future perspective. So, you know, she grows up feeling this guilt and for the death of her father, like she is purely responsible for the death of her father. In all actuality, her father is the, is, is the death of her father. And if, if voodoo and magic exist in this world, then Moselle is also the cause because it's her fault for teaching Eve about this stuff and not explaining it to her. So when she does reach out to uh, Elzora for help, you know, she's thinking she's going to pick up a voodoo doll so she can hurt her father whenever she likes. And she brings Elzora uh, money and hair from a comb. And Elzora's like, yo, I put the hair in the mouth of a, of a snake and buried it in a graveyard under a full moon. Like, he should be dead by now. He ends up getting killed because the husband of one of his mistresses who's a, a, a college professor who's constantly not in the area because he's at the college campus. His wife is getting banged out and he's pretty much looking like the, the clown of the town. Like he's the, he's, the, he's the joke because everybody knows his wife is getting banged out by the town doctor and, you know, he's not around to do anything about it. So, of course, and also Eve does drop hints to uh, pretty much insinuate that there's something going on between uh, his wife, Maddie Monroe is her name, and her father, which pretty much, you know, lets him know, like, well, damn, everybody knows. Even this little girl knows and is mocking me 
to my face. Like, that's got to be a fucked up feeling when a 10 year old's like, oh, yeah, so you be away. Like, uh, my daddy said yeah, your wife be getting real lonely. Uh, like, that's fucked up. But the man gets, it, it's Lewis's fault completely because he's telling him, stay away from my wife. I know what you're doing. And Lewis is trying to gaslight him like he does. The whole story with everybody else is trying to say, no, you don't know what you're talking about. You drunk old man. Go get some sleep. And he tells him straight up, like, it's not working. Like, if you ever talk to my wife again, I'm going to kill you. And Lewis being the, the arrogant narcissist he is, this godlike figure in his own head, of course, he, 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 he wants to talk stupid. He wants to he wants to try to look big in front of everybody and says, bye, Maddie. And that's when he, you know, the dude whips out a gun and shoots him. And the and he pushes Eve out the way to make sure she doesn't get hit by, you know, a straight bullet or anything. And that was the vision Moselle had of a kid falling by train tracks because the club they were at was by a you know, railroad. So also before we got to that, Sissy had confided in Eve that the father uh, had tried to pretty much force himself on Sissy. And, you know, he slapped her when she fought back. And this made Eve go down this whole downward spiral of revenge where she's looking to use her gifts of magic to inflict harm on her father. As that happens and she sets in motion the events that play out, she finds a letter uh, after her father's funeral saying, explaining that the night her sister had explained happened and he says that what happened was the sister sissy was pretty much trying to force herself on him and he slapped slapped her because he was just so outraged at it and as a kid i always was like super relieved because i was like oh great samuel l jackson character wasn't like a creep and a rapist now as an adult and having more experience with people it's just like the jury's still out on that because incest in black families is something that's so prevalent but nobody talks about and having known so many people who have experienced it and hearing the rationalizations that family members had tried to use and how they have tried to either minimize the harm they did or rationalize what they did it's it's crazy to look how people can do these mental gymnastics and make something seem like it was wasn't that bad or it was really not that serious like they really you know and even if you do take it as a this is a child's perspective and then you have an adult's perspective even if you meet somewhere in the middle you still have a father who's being grossly inappropriate with his daughter and potentially you know emotionally leading her on and causing these feelings to manifest and he even says in the letter like i feel guilty for not telling her yes you feel guilty because you encouraged it because you liked feeling like there was a woman who cared about you because the mom saw the bullshit you were doing and wasn't about to be like you're great you're an awesome husband so you let your kid try to do that and that's you know sleazeball shit but yeah just looking back at this movie it's so crazy uh seeing how many things i i Seeing how many, first of all, how many things they dove into. Not only dove into, but like every character is doing something in this movie. Except for Poe. Once again, except for Poe. 
Uh, but yeah, or as I call him, the good Smollett brother. These kids were phenomenal actors. Samuel L. Jackson, um, Lynn Whitfield, who does not get enough credit for being just an incredible actress and OG in her own right. Like, this film is definitely, like, super underrated, super unappreciated, and it tackles so much. It, it It's just great performances, and the visuals are stunning. Like, the way they use the music and the cut sequences with the, with the visions, and it's... It's, it's so dope and the way they use storytelling perspective like when they're doing flashbacks or when they're doing visions or flash forwards to the visions or it, it's just an amazing way that they're able to tell this story through Eve's perspective while she's assessing other people's perspectives being told to her so it, it, it just even it even shows you even better how complex the story is because you have a, once again a 10 year old trying to differentiate all this different all these all this information coming to her from all these various characters and her trying to decipher what's the truth and even at the end she doesn't get a definite answer like and, and that's another thing i didn't really i didn't get as a kid like when sissy at the end where she finds the letter and she's yelling at sissy and saying she lied she lied and Sissy's saying, like, no, he did hurt me. And, you know, but they never elaborate what that hurt was. Was it an emotional hurt? Was it a physical hurt? Was it an actual molestation? But she tells her, like, flat out, like, I don't know. Like, she's, and I didn't catch this because I was younger, but she's blocked it out. Like, whatever it was, like, she tries to read her mind with these, these witch powers, but she can't because Sissy pretty much blocks her out. And that lets you know. And another thing I, I came to uh, think about that really changed the way I looked at the movie was, you know, this whole witchcraft thing runs in their family. But Lewis knows about it. He doesn't believe in it. And it, 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 it dawned on me, maybe he does believe, on, believe in it. But he purposely you know distances himself from his you know eve because she has that shit like she can see the bullshit you do and if you're somebody doing sleazy underhanded shit you don't want to be around the psychic who can call that shit out and be like oh you're especially if you're 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 grooming your daughter you know because this behavior i don't know how a kid just picks up you know what i'm gonna just intimidate my mother and, and try to take her place but it, it was it was egged on by the dad and maybe he didn't want to be around the house because he didn't want the daughter to pick up on that. He, maybe he didn't want that to tarnish his her view of him. And looking back on it, it's just so crazy to look at because the sister has a, a shifted view of her brother because she defends him the whole movie, the entire movie. She defends him, knowing the bullshit he gets into. And she has the sight so she could probably pick up on that stuff even even closer but it's it's just wild to look at uh the dynamics that are going on in that movie and how many layers it has and how complex it is and the story it's really telling oh boy it's just deep so if you haven't seen eve's bayou i would love to hear or i would love for you to go out and watch it and give me your thoughts if you've already seen it please let me know what you think did you pick up on these same themes did you feel differently do you feel like there was a solid resolution 
to that movie or do you feel like it was just left ambiguous and the list or the viewer has to come up with their own decision uh whatever it is check out the movie it is a amazing piece of black cinema especially for the time period it's it was in like super dope check it out journey small lead megan good samuel l jackson all cutting up the script so be sure to continue to join us for our monday media reviews as well as our other shows we have listed throughout the week music for the episode once again brought to you by my frat brother and good friend trez jones track entitled kush and crown one of my favorites that i have had the honor to play here on our show our, our outros and also be sure to check out our spotify playlist urban alchemy playlist featuring a lot of artists who have featured music throughout the years here on the show a lot of talented artists a lot of them right here from the kc area if you know anybody who's making good music, send them to me. I would like to take a listen and see if they got what it takes to make it to the playlist. As always, that's all I got. I hope you all are staying blessed and staying safe. Keep creating KC, and I will catch you all later. Peace. So long, I'm trying to transgress. Got medication in my system, doing damage. Crushed up, hold up, rolled up one time to manage. Pulled up to the scene with my nigga sitting on a disadvantage. All this cushion crown taking over, and I'm out of control. She keep throwing that thing in motion. How could I not indulge? Body like poetry, got a young nigga speaking in prose, just throw it back to me, know just how to play my role, I swear I'm in my soul, but I need you here, you here, this cushion crown got me Only stay good, nobody.
feel alright in my soul. But I need you here, you here. This cushion crown got me through. But I need you here, you here. But I need you, baby. Baby, yeah.